from the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. Christopher and I are so happy to be here with you, and I actually have another question for you uh, at the start of our episode. Ask Christopher West. Here I am with my very own question. Let's do it. I heard on the last podcast, and of course, I have it on my calendar, you're going to the Holy Land, and I just would love to know what you're really looking forward to about your trip. Well, I've never been to the Holy Land. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. I've been around the world, I've been to all kinds of places, but never to the Holy Land. And when I think about going to the Holy Land and leading this pilgrimage, I'm reminded of something my mentor, dear Monsignor Lorenzo Albacetti, the late Monsignor Lorenzo Albacetti, something he said in class, this would have been in 1995. Mm -hmm. And I remember him up there at the podium smoking his cigarette. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) He was always smoking a cigarette, even though there are no smoking signs all over the building. Oh, Uh, (laughs) And he he inhaled that cigarette, and he said, the scandal of the hick. I was like, what? (laughs) The scandal of the hick. And I was like, what the heck is he talking about? What the heck is the hick? What the heck is the hick? (laughs) And then he said, verbum caro factum est hick, which means... The word was made flesh here. Mm. This man had encountered something. He, this man, Jesus was not an idea. Jesus was not just something he theologized about. He had had some encounter with this scandal. and Because you could see it on his face. You could like feel it in his whole body that he was absolutely stunned and amazed by the reality that the eternal, invisible, almighty, immortal, omnipresent God chose this place, this time, this moment in history to become particular. Like the, and he, that scandal of the hick, the scandal of the here, the word was made flesh here, right here at this time time at this place in this moment of history he was just astounded by that Mm -hmm. mystery and so when I think of the holy land I think of Albacete and the scandal of the hick and what is pilgrimage why why do you want to go to some place well God is everywhere yeah God is everywhere but there's also that scandal of the hick he entered history here Mm -hmm. he entered history in Nazareth, in the womb of Mary, and was born in Bethlehem. And he walked the grounds there. He walked, we're going to be walking right where he was. We're going to be at the place where he died. We're going to be at the place where he preached the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be at the place he rose from the dead. We're going to be at the place where he was born. We are incarnational creatures. This is what theology of the body is all about, is Mm. really reckoning with with the incarnation of the Son of God and our own bodily beings. And we're going to take these bodily beings and we're going to get on an airplane and we're going to fly to that place and we're going to be there. That is what I'm most looking forward to. Mm, Wow. It is awesome. It It is. It really, really is. And I, I, you know, I can just sense the sincerity of your 
desire to be there, to be standing on the ground, breathing the air, seeing. Smelling what he smelled, hearing what he heard, feeling what he felt, the angle of the sun at that place on the globe, all of it. Everybody I've talked to who've been to the Holy Land said, you'll, you'll never be the same. Mm. Uh, you just, the gospel will come alive in new ways because you're in the place where it was yes. proclaimed. So if there's anybody out there, we have a few weeks left to register for this pilgrimage. We are going to the Holy Land from February 15th to the 25th. We're going to be diving into the theology of the body in beautiful ways. We're going to be entering that scandal of the hick. Father Justin Brady will be one of our chaplains. He's from the Diocese of Boise, Idaho. And we have Father Thomas Loya, who's a Byzantine Catholic priest. He's going to be bringing all the riches of the East. And uh, we'll be unfolding the treasures of theology of the body right in the place where the scandal of the hick happened. If this is of interest to you, click the link in the show notes. We would love for you to join us. We don't have a lot of time left, but a couple weeks to uh, get your... Get your life in order to come with us. Pray about it. Think about it. Uh, If this is on your heart, once in a lifetime chance to come to the Holy Land, it will change your life. It's going to change my life. I'd love to experience it with you. So think on it. Pray on it. And you can also join me in praying for the pilgrims. Even if you're not able to go, still mark your calendar because I'm going to be praying for them and you can join me in that. Thank you, Wendy. Yes. May I share some questions now from our listeners? Okay. There's a question from Ailish. Ailish. Is that an Irish name? Ailish. It does sound like it. It does sound like it. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe she's not Irish at all. And maybe it's not a girl's name. It, It is. It is. Okay. There you go. My husband and I have five children. After four C sections and tremendous pressure, From medics, I agreed to tubal ligation. I felt shame and guilt. I've spoken to several priests and I've asked and received forgiveness in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Now I'm at a loss. Priests assure me that I'm not committing sin when my husband and I embrace. But now having read your book, TOB for Beginners, I'm once again heartbroken. I'm scared we are committing terrible sin. I just don't know where to go from here. Mm. Mm. Bless you, Ailish. Bless you. You've been through quite a lot, my dear sister. I do have some thoughts for you, and I I hope they will be words of encouragement that you can take to heart. So, Ailish, you have already admitted that you've made a mistake. You have been to confession. You have confessed this. You have received absolution. It is true. It is true. I've said it on this podcast before. As far as the east is from the west, so is your sin from you. Here you can rest. Here you can find peace. If your confession was sincere, and and I have no reason to believe otherwise, your confession was sincere, then you can rest in that forgiveness, and that means there is no Moral fault in the sense of a contraceptive moral fault when you and your husband come together. If you have really sincerely repented and received that absolution, there is no moral fault. There's no moral evil present. However, there is still a physical evil present 
which I believe is probably what you're feeling, which my guess would be this is what remains a, a kind of wound in your heart. So let's make some distinctions here, very important distinctions between moral evil and physical evil. Here's an example. Suppose I really don't like my foot. I just have some disdain for my foot and I chop it off. I have committed a moral evil because I've mutilated my body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not like my foot was cancerous and I, I removed a cancerous or gangrenous foot. Gangrenous? Is that a word? Maybe it gangrenous. Gangrenous. There it is. You like that pronunciation? There it is. Gangrenous. Okay. So I just don't like my foot. I chop it off. There is a moral evil because I've mutilated my body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is a physical evil because I'm meant to have a foot and I don't. And I come to my senses, go to confession. I confess I was wrong to, to chop off my foot and to hate my foot. The moral evil no longer exists. If I've made a genuine confession, if I have received absolution, if I've done my penance, the moral evil no longer exists, but the physical evil still does. And I still have to live with the, the wound of not having a foot. Now, if I could restore that foot, I should. But maybe I can't restore the foot. Chances are I can't restore the foot. So let's now apply the analogy. The moral evil of your tubal ligation is gone. The physical evil still remains because your tubes were never meant to be tied, but they are. So there's a wound there. That wound itself, Ailish, can be opened up and offered to the Lord. That wound itself can become prayer for other people who are facing the question of whether to get their tubes tied. That wound can be offered as a prayer for those who already have had their tubes tied and are dealing with the consequences of that. It can become a powerful, powerful moment of grace because that wound has already been united with Christ's wounds. Now, we can go further and say, you know, if you can restore your fertility, if you can have that reversed, perhaps you should. There are lots of circumstances that might make it unadvisable. Maybe you're a high-risk medical patient. Maybe you don't have the money for it. Uh, there, are, there are circumstances that could make that not possible. But if it is possible, perhaps that wound that you're carrying is a little nudge from the Holy Spirit to seek a reversal. And I, I have suggested to, this case, usually men, who have had a vasectomy, even if their wife is past childbearing years, I have suggested and encouraged them to, to restore the integrity of their body. And men who have done that have been very grateful that they have. There's something about the restoration of that integrity that is healing. I don't want to give the impression that it's uh, a moral responsibility that you must. Again, there might be circumstances that make it not possible. But pray into it. If it is possible, perhaps perhaps you should follow that. Yeah. And also, I love that you said pray into it because the Lord can lead us different ways in our prayer. And I think it's probably a good idea to bring your husband into that. Absolutely. The prayers Absolutely. about the wounds in your body that you have suffered 
praying for the grace to forgive those who put that tremendous pressure on you both. Yes, um, yes. That praying also for physical healing, you have, in a sense, you do have something wrong inside your body right now, which is the, you know, um, severing of your fallopian tubes. There's no problem asking the Lord for miraculous healing. Go, Just go there. He's God. You know, go ahead and pray for that, it's, especially if you two feel led to pray for that. That following the Lord's lead together in prayer as this suffering has come up, the Lord doesn't want you just to suffer. The Lord isn't angry at you. The Lord isn't trying Amen. to cause you pain. Amen. He wants to, His grace to enter into this injury, this injustice, this suffering, this all of it. So, I just encourage you both to keep following the Holy Spirit in your prayers. And praying for a miracle here is not as outlandish as it may sound. I just met a person, this was just a month ago on our pilgrimage to Mexico. She told me an amazing story that her husband, under real pressure, they, they didn't want to do it, but under lots of pressure, uh, he got a vasectomy. And they felt objectified in their sexual relationship. They knew something was off. They felt it in their spirits. They felt it in their hearts. And they didn't like it. They didn't have the money for a reversal. And they started praying for a miracle that his vasectomy wound would be healed. Mm -hmm. They've had three children since. Mm. Without surgery. Without surgery. Without a reversal surgery. Their prayers were heard. I also met a woman who had a healing of a, a tubal who had not had children for almost 20 years and wow. conceived after a very specific encounter and sense in her body that she Woo! was healed. And she had a C-section and the doctor saw a new tube had what? grown across. What? I'm not kidding. So God is, God really is God. I don't know what his plan is for your marriage, but I do just... I'm glad you shared your story, and I wanted mm -hmm. to share mine too. That there is a real God who who can heal us. So let's let's keep praying for one another. Amen. Bless you, Alish. Next question is from Gwynifer. Hey, Gwynifer. Gwynifer says, "Just wondered if I could get the book reference that Christopher made in the Atomic Pumpkin episode when he spoke about Pope Benedict." Uh, regarding not getting off track about the crucifixion, on paying the price. I'd love to read more about what Pope Benedict had to say. Gwynifer says she's a 38-year-old theology student at Franciscan University and loves our podcast and prays for us. So thank you, Gwynifer, for that. Thank you, Gwynifer. The book that I was referring to is called Introduction to Christianity by Joseph Ratzinger, who became later Pope Benedict XVI. It is a superb book. Uh, Introduction to Christianity makes it sound like it might be kind of elementary. It is not. It's a dense theological book, but is really, really excellent. And the, the section, just for the listeners who are wondering what Gwynifer is referencing, in that episode that was titled Atomic Pumpkin, you can go back and listen to it if you want, if you haven't. I was talking about a certain approach to the crucifixion that sees the sacrifice of Christ as the wrath of God being poured out on his son and Jesus kind of taking all the punishment of sin upon himself. And there is a sense of that, but we can't reduce the crucifixion of Christ 
And Ratzinger in the book even says it, it is wrong. It, this impression is as, as wrong as it is widespread that God needed to vent his anger on his son. What kind of God is that that would demand that of his son? That's uh, The future Pope Benedict is saying that is not the right perspective to have on the crucifixion. Rather, we should see the crucifixion as the length to which the Son of God was willing to go to express his love for us. Pope Benedict XVI, quoting Fathers of the Church, this is not in his book, Introduction to Christianity, but in a, in a reflection he gave, I believe, in Lent of 2007, Pope Benedict XVI said that on the cross, we witness the eros of God. We witness the eros, E-R-O-S, the mad love of God. He says, is there any more mad eros than what happened at the cross where the son of God shows the depth of his love? What does eros desire? Pope Benedict XVI says, eros desires to be one with the beloved. Is there any more mad eros than the desire of Christ the bridegroom? who wanted to be one with his beloved to the extent that he became one with her in all of her sin, in all of her brokenness, in all of her pain, in all of her suffering, and in her very death. Christ becomes one with us in all of that. The proper frame here in which to understand the crucifixion of Christ is not the wrath of God unleashed on his son, but rather it is the mad eros, the mad love of God who desires to be one with us to the extent that he joins himself, unites himself with us in all our sufferings. Wow. Yeah, that's all in, uh, it's all summed up there in Introduction to Christianity. I love and if, it. I, I might even remember page numbers here because I was actually looking at this recently uh, my edition of Introduction to Christianity, anyway, which I think came out in 1990, look at page 172 two f- and 214, and I think um, maybe page 222 as well. He gets into that. Awesome. Thank you for your question, Guinefer, and bless you in your studies. Sounds like you're passionate for Jesus. and Keep going, girl. He's passionate for you. That's what this is about. And I love that name, Guinefer. Yes. Next question is from Christine. Hi, Christine. What advice would you give to someone who's struggling with pornography and masturbation, but wouldn't consider himself addicted? And what advice would you give to someone on the other end of that relationship? Whereas the line between being compassionate slash understanding and knowing when it's time to walk away. Bless you, Christine. If I'm reading into your question correctly, it sounds like you are in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to say I'm addicted to pornography, but is struggling with pornography and maybe finding it difficult to give it up. And again, I may be reading into things here, but it sounds like you are very pained by this and are wondering, should I stay? Yes, I'm called to be compassionate, but where's the line between compassion and enabling that's how I'm kind of hearing the question. Do you think I'm onto something yes, there, Yes, I mean, Wendy? that could be 
at Christine's or someone she knows she that knows, is right. coming to her for advice that many times our questions are asked because we are wanting to help someone else. So sure. in either case, that I do think that feels like the, the situation of someone. Of someone. So I'll, I'll answer it from that perspective. What would my advice be to the person who's involved in the pornography? I'm reminded of something Father Jacques Philippe said. Father Jacques Philippe, if you're not familiar with him, he's a French priest. All of his works have been translated into English, or at least many of them have been translated into English. I have right on my shelf here seven or eight of them. They're these little books that I call The Interior Life for Dummies. He's he's (laughs) so beautiful and insightful in helping us in very simple, understandable language to go on the interior journey with Jesus. And he says in one of those little books I have, he says that the only way to heal a misguided desire is to find the real desire underneath the misguided desire and provide that legitimate desire a legitimate satisfaction. So, when we take our hunger to pornography, what is the hunger? What is the underlying desire? When we look honestly at our hearts, there is a good desire to want to behold and understand and contemplate the beauty of the human body the beauty of God's plan for making us male and female, to want to see the human body as God made it to be, behold, it is very good. But pornography here takes that very goodness of the human body as God created it to be and mocks it, twists it, distorts it. As I've said before on this podcast, Pornography is a hellish mockery of a heavenly reality. Our bodies were created by God to reveal the eternal mystery of God's eternal exchange of life-giving love. God is an eternal ecstasy of life-giving love. God is not sexual, But our sexuality is a created reflection of that eternal exchange of life-giving love found in God. The body reveals this call to holy communion. We are wired for it. We're made for it. We're designed for it. But when we take that genuine desire in our humanity and aim it at pixels on a screen, we objectify ourselves and we objectify others. And really, the pornography is, is, in the final analysis, it's fodder for a fantasy life that leads to masturbation and self-indulgence. And this does not help us in loving. It cripples us, in fact, in the call to be a gift to another. Yeah, I'm thinking of that book. I can't think of the name of it. I'm sorry, but the author was saying how as a man, how he had been training himself how not to be a gift in all his time of looking at pornography, that that he was going to eventually encounter a real woman yes. to whom he wanted to give himself, to whom he wanted to receive yes. as a gift, yes. and had absolutely no training in how to do that. In fact, had been trained in the opposite by pornography. So the lies and the 
the harm done to your present and future life yes. by listening to those lies, allowing these false images and the things that they trigger emotionally and physically to remain in your life is crippling your present and future ability to be a gift. Yes. So I want to say to this person and to whomever else out there is struggling with pornography, the ache is good. The ache is put there by God to lead you to Him and to teach you the ways of love. To aim that ache at porn, you are shooting yourself in the foot. There's something more. There's something better. There's another way to see. There's another way to think. There's another way to experience your sexuality. There is a banquet of love that corresponds to the hunger. Don't take the hunger to the fast food. There's an immediate kick. There's an immediate gratification we get from that fast food. That's why I call it fast food, because we get an immediate gratification. But on the other side of that immediate gratification, we are dumped out, incapacitated in our ability to love rightly. So learn how to aim that desire at the banquet of love. That is faith. That is faith. What is faith? Faith is staying in the ache and refusing to gratify yourself and trusting there is a love that is a gift that is given to satisfy the deepest cry of the heart. I urge this person, please take up a study of John Paul II's Theology of the Body if you really want to get a vision of this banquet. If you really want to understand the difference between the fast food and the banquet, please, please study John Paul's Theology of the Body. Maybe if you're new to it, I'd recommend what I call kind of my uh, Theology of the Body prequel. It's called Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing. It's a book about the ache. It's a book about healing our desires. It's a book about redirecting our desires according to God's design so our desires are aimed at our destiny. It's following exactly what Father Jacques Philippe says about discovering the underlying hunger that is legitimate that needs to be satisfied in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. That's what the book Fill These Hearts is all about. Nothing is a magic pill. I don't want to give anybody the impression, just read this book and then you'll be cured. No, no, no. But it's a step. It's a, it's a, it's a, a help in the journey. For the woman here in this situation, who it seems like is with a man, and you want to be compassionate, merciful, but not enabling, what would I recommend? Uh, Wendy, do you, do you want to shine any light on this as a, as a woman? It is a difficult situation, and I, first of all, I just want to thank the Lord for the honesty already present in the relationship, that the woman is aware of this struggle, that it's not, you know, a secret. So that is a positive about the relationship that, you know, it has, it's already been talked about, that you have had the courage to be compassionate. That takes courage to understand that every human being is broken and um, that this is such a prevalent thing in our culture, such a temptation. So I want to affirm those positives. I think, though, it's very hard. It's a very hard thing of human existence 
that no one can answer our own questions. There are certain questions of the heart that we have to go before God yes. and look at what we are sensing within ourselves. And there is no formula to say, well, if it happens again, that's the end. Unless you have that sense in your own heart. I do think you want to look for whether or not there is a sincerity about a desire for freedom from this. It sounds a little, I mean, maybe it's accurate to say it's not an addiction, but I don't know if that's just a, a defensiveness to in a, another way of saying I'm still lovable. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not addicted as if an addicted person weren't lovable. I don't know. But regardless, if there if there's no commitment to desiring the truth of our bodies as a gift and to real human beings. I have great compassion for those real human beings who were photographed or filmed in the first place for pornography, but their images have been distorted in such a way that we are meant not to see them as real human beings. And so right. a relationship of a man and woman is meant to be of the real human beings who aren't airbrushed, who aren't Objectified. and objectified, exactly, who have real human realities to them that are complicated and challenging to us, and yet the rewards of a relationship come from those real human beings. And you're missing out on all of that in pornography. And so if the genuine desire isn't there for love between real human beings, then that's not a relationship to be in. If there is a desire and a desire to find the help and the freedom that Christ offers that you can encourage, I do think there can be temptations to maybe try to secure the affection of the other through maybe crossing of boundaries yourself in the hope that, can I direct that toward me? Mm. Can that, that thing in him be directed toward me? Can that give me greater security here? And I don't think that that's a no, good idea. No. I think you want to really almost keep it a close friendship while this issue is still present until that you know changes. I think you don't want to indulge in that kind of let me let me get him focused on me as a sex object or something. That that's not. Yeah, the solution heal is not to redirect the objectifying desire to you, right? Because then you just become objectified, right? And it could be even more complicated if this were a married couple, mm -hmm. where there's a commitment already. How do, how would a spouse love someone through mm -hmm. through that? And here maybe we can draw on our our own experience. By God's grace, pornography has not been something I've struggled with in our married life, but it was an issue for me as a teenager, and I brought a lot of wounds into our marriage. And, you know, the, the way pornography messed with my mind and messed with my heart has wounded you, Wendy. And I know you needed to learn how to make your own sufferings a prayer for me and your willingness to do that, to learn the hard road of opening your sufferings as prayer for the one, me, namely me, who was causing you sufferings because of my wrongful notions and attitudes that had been warped by pornography. That has been 
a source of great healing in my life and continues to be. And I think there are a lot of takeaways here. Number one is pornography. You know, I hadn't even been exposed to pornography for seven or eight years when we got married. But man, it has a long, horrific legacy Mm. when you have been exposed to pornography. It warps the brain and it affects the way you see and think and feel. Uh, so that's that's one. Like we, this is not a small matter. This is not something to take lightly. It's devastating. But also, anything we've been through, the cross goes deeper than any of that devastation. Just as we were saying in the previous answer to the previous question, he goes to the full length in his love to bear our sufferings. Mm. And he teaches us how to bear those sufferings with him and to make of those sufferings something redemptive. I don't know if you want to, we don't have a lot of time left in this episode, but I don't know if you want to speak something to that, Wendy, about your experience there of learning how to to pray for me and your sufferings. Yeah, I think in general, like when when something has caused us a lot of pain, it, it almost can feel like it's a, it's a thing stored inside that leads to me, like a, a chunk of pain in there. And it has helped me just in my prayer and like to really almost see it physically mm. the, or, or experience its pressure, its presence as a physical reality that could be taken from within and held out, offered to the Lord, that mm. this is an ugly mess, Lord. Mm. This is this is in me, and it's an ugly mess, but I ask you to change it into something beautiful, something beautiful for me, something beautiful for the one I love. Lord, you have that power. I don't have that, but I, I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to offer it up to you really in a, I don't know, that's just how I feel it. It's like grab hold of it and lift it up. Lift it up to the Lord for His grace to break through and to transform and to bring like a, a lightness and a freedom to my own heart in those areas. I love that idea of giving it an image. Mm-hmm. I think you just unpacked for us what Catholics mean in that classical expression, offer it up. You know, it, it can be almost sound, it can almost sound trite, oh, offer it up. Yeah, it sounds like something just in your head. Yeah, no, know. but what you just described is not something in the head. It's no. it's a real opening of of the heart, of the pain itself, mm-hmm. of the the messiness itself. Mm-hmm. And I loved your humility in saying, "I can't make this something beautiful, but you can." Mm-hmm. And we, again, this is I'm not trying to blow a trumpet or any such thing, but to praise God and saying it's real. You and I have tasted this, Wendy. Where. We have been on this journey of opening our pain, opening Mm -hmm. our messiness, opening our wounds. And we've seen flowers grow out of that stench and mess and sewage and crud. Uh, We've seen flowers grow from our wounds. Mm. And that's real. It's real. It's really real. (laughs) So that would be my word of advice to Christine is to walk that way of opening the pain and and trusting the Lord can turn it into something beautiful. I think that's uh, all we should say about that for now. Yes, we're praying for you. Yes, Christine, we'll be, okay, why don't we end with a prayer for her right now. Lord, we lift Christine up to you and her very real circumstances of her life 
whether this is about her own relationship or someone dear to her heart, Lord, we, we lift her up to you and ask for your grace to penetrate deeply, give her wisdom, courage, and also the one who is struggling with the pornography. And sometimes we're struggling and we're genuinely struggling. Like sometimes we have victories and sometimes we have failures. So wherever that journey of struggle is, Lord, give strength and courage and vision and healing and light and a way forward that is toward your truth, your heart for each human being, everyone. Everyone is precious to you. No concern of our hearts is minor, Lord. You love us and care about everything. So we thank you for that. We cast all these burdens upon your heart, knowing you care for us, that you can set us free, that you are the source of our hope, that you are the one who truly loves us. Christine, you are an unrepeatable gift. Our prayer, our hope, our desire for you and for all our listeners is that you would become what you are. Ask Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes. Music